establishing persuasion. I am Angela Montoya, author of Sinner's Isle, and I am here with the little, I I don't know what's on your earrings, but they look like little butts. The butt queen, little butts. They are little butts. They're tits and bits. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little lemon with hairy legs and titties, and this is a a buxom pear with a glorious bootay and hairy legs. You and know, I'm obsessed. <laughs> that is a bootay right there. That is a tush. That's goals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dang. People pay for those. That is a tush. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're here with the tits and bits queen herself. She's got the tits and the bits. Um, Melody Schubert. <laughs> Melody, how are you? I am in fact, glorious, my friend. We have just had on the show the Linda Camacho and what an episode. I knew when I heard her on Manuscript Academy, it's like, I can't remember everything now. It's like well over a year ago that I found that podcast episode. I just remember sitting there and thinking, this person is so wise and so like full of good energy. I didn't have a podcast then, so I didn't even think about it. But I was just like, what a cool person, which is why I did Manuscript Academy with her. And then, yeah, when we started the podcast and I was like, she'd be so cool to have on. But I was like too shy then to even think of asking agents. It took us a few months, say, before we thought of asking agents. Yes. And then it was a bit pie in the sky. Neither of us thought they'd say yes. So, I know. Yeah. Well, it's intimidating. Yeah. Because, I mean... They could easily say no, which is fine. Yeah. But um, but so far, none of the agents that we've asked have said no. They've all come on. Mm. And um, you know, we're all we've only asked the best agents, I the top-tier agents. <laughs> and um, and but they've really been some of my favorite episodes because it's really fun to get to know, you know, the agent behind like the person behind the persona of agent, you know what I mean? And you know, agents are always these like mysterious creatures that we see tweet random things or on social media. And we're like, wow. Yeah. Um, and we're still like, wow. After talking with Linda, yeah. um, she's just amazing. So I could see why after you had her um, critique your, your, this last project, yeah. why you were so excited with her um critiques and like yes. suggestions um I could see why just like talking to her she is like you said she's wise she knows her shit and so I could see now why you were so damn excited <laughs> yeah honestly when I saw that she was on I'd already been like when I was doing my agent hunts and making a list of who I wanted to query and I was honestly shocked by the agents that are available and like shocked that she was on menu. I was like, this exists. Like you can talk to this agent and get feedback on your work. Like it blew my mind. And that's why I read harp on about manuscript Academy, because it really is a unique access into, and we didn't get to talk about that much with her, but yeah, I rave about it enough to <laughs> make up for that. We didn't get to ask her, but seriously, like, it never ceases to amaze me because realistically they are so busy agents, you know, and, and that's probably part of why it feels so veiled and so abstract, like the agent behind the screen, because they're just busy. <laughs> like 
<laughs> not like making you know reels necessarily and like constantly tweeting they're just like trying to sell books you know so yeah that That's might be part point. of why they feel so you know yeah they've got shit to do yeah that makes sense actually how have you been this week um good so i last night what is today yeah was it last night Tuesday for yesterday? you Wednesday yeah, me. so yesterday I was in my office and I was working on book two but yes. then I got an email from uh, Bria my editor and she ha- sent me back my manuscript already with just like a few more things yes. and and so um so I'm gonna I'm jamming through that she's wants it back you know on Friday Ooh. um also I know That's which I can do yeah you can I love that you can and you know you can do it now this is the thing you've been doing it long enough you're like I know what I have to do and I know I can do it yes I think no I can do it I can do it it. it. well but here's the other thing so she asked also for the acknowledgments and that rocked me because I was like like just thinking of who and all the people you know it's and not wanting to leave anybody out on accident you and I were talking about this last night yeah. uh, you know just wanting to make sure I just express my gratitude to everybody mm-hmm. and it's probably impossible because it it really could end up just being like a, an entire book right of just thank you to everybody um but there's really so many people that have played mm-hmm. a huge role in my journey and in this book. And um, so I I started writing the acknowledgements last night and I just bawled like a little baby bitch. I bawled. Like my- a baby. I love that, like a little baby bitch. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> I'm taking that one. I, I love that for you. No, I bought like a little baby bitch because, you know, you just start thinking of just, wow, you know, and, and also kind of just thinking, wow, I, I did this. Yeah. I got here. So, so that's where I'm at is just, um, trying to make sure anybody that has like beta read or critiqued, like, I want to at least like put their name in there mm-hmm. and, um, so that's kind of where I was like, oh shit. And luckily I had started making a list of oh, people that oh. I had. Yeah. Um, but so I suggest to anybody that is like even querying or getting ready to sell their book, like start writing down people who've really played a big part in your book. And so so that's, that was me. So now today's Tuesday after we're done here, I'm going to jet over to the office and start crackalacking. But yeah, so life is good. It's about to get busy this week. And yeah. how about you, Mel? I just had an idea before I forget, like oh. a hack for you, maybe, maybe type in, it will be a little bit of work, but if you type in Sinner's Isle into your email history, it will come up with all the, it'll, you'll have to go through it because it'll probably be other emails that aren't related, but you should be able to find all the people you sent it to. And that would at least ease your mind that you didn't miss anyone who actually read for you. 
Very good. I like that. I will do that. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm yeah. so excited. I, you made me a little bit emotional then just thinking of, and it's so you to like cry thinking about thanking people who like, but I can, I understand. I mean that in the nicest way, like your heart was just, that's the moment that it's starting to feel real. And you're just like, these people were part of my journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's true. Like I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now thinking yeah. about it again, because it's, it means a lot for someone to take the time to mm -hmm. read your stuff. And even if it's like, I can't, you know, read a lot, but I can read like the first few pages or just mm -hmm. any of it. And, and to be like kind enough to want to help you make it better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an honor to be honest with you. And then I, and then I start thinking, wow, a lot of these people read Sinner's Isle when it was rough. <laughs> When she were raggedy, she were raggedy <laughs> at some point. <laughs> she was a raggedy bitch. <laughs> and, and so I started also just kind of laughing, like, holy shit, should I even email them? Like, should I even remind them they read this? <laughs> they would be honored. And that's the thing from the other side. Think about how like even just listening to Linda say how when she sees those books on the shelf and she's like feels like in a way that it's hers like a part of her all those people who were part of the journey they'll be so honored to to even be considered you know yeah maybe I should do like a hate like a all to all the people who said no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Yeah, fuck you, bitches. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> Look at me now, motherfucker. <laughs> it's me rolling, hunting. <laughs> I don't know why I ever sing on this podcast. It shouldn't happen. No, I think, it it's, I think it's good. I like the singing. Uh, so, Melanie, you you saw a reel of mine and thought I was talking about revisions for a new idea. book, a draft race idea. And you came in saying, Hey, I've got a new book. You want to start writing again? So you have a new I could idea. cry. I could cry yesterday. My brain nearly exploded. I don't even know. You know, I started that middle grade book. Yeah. The day before. And I fucking mapped that shit out. And I was like, this is legit. This is like the best middle grade I've come up with since like ever. And I was so excited about it. And then I just let it sit. I had done it. I didn't do a full beat sheet because middle grade's small. I didn't feel the need to at that point. I had the main ideas just scribbled down. And then I just let it sit for a second. I like started writing. I always write down kind of like a few paragraphs of chapter one. I'm like, she's got a voice, you know? Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, so the day after, I was just like strolling back from getting my coffee. And it was the first coffee I'd had in ages because I did that cleanse, oh, no sugar, yeah. no alcohol, no coffee. As the first coffee. So maybe it was the glorious first coffee <laughs> in three weeks. <laughs> that shit was hard. That, I don't know if I'll avoid all those. Coffee's staying. Coffee's staying with me. I've had it yeah. today. I feel very happy. But it was good. I'm glad I did the cleanse. But yeah, first coffee in a while. Ooh. I was just walking past and I passed this Halloween house and I was like, I'd love to write something more Halloween. I was like, oh, my stuff's kind of leaning towards that way anyway, with like ghosts and goblins and, and I'm not kidding you. 
you know, like Liz Gilbert talks about the big magic, a title just came into my head. And as soon as it came into my head, I could not walk home fast enough. Like I was almost, I was so overwhelmed. I felt like teary and I ran upstairs and I was like typing out the title, typing out like the first few paragraphs. And then I was like, I wound up bumping into a friend and doing this big long walk. But when I got back, she her, her dog killed that bird. I had to go help her because she was screaming her head off. So when I say I went for a walk, <laughs> I went to help my friend who was like almost in tears about her dog killing this bird. But when I came back, I was still just like, like to the point of feeling anxious, I was pinging so much. And I was like, maybe I should meditate. I was like, no, this book is coming to you now. It's the big magic. You have to write the ideas down now. And I wrote down the full beat sheet yesterday in one afternoon. And it just like poured like this. It just felt like, like poured out of me the whole idea. And every time I was, I don't usually push through when I'm feeling anxious. Usually I'll, well, like I, what I mean is I'd usually take a break and be like, okay, let's meditate and take a walk. I was like, not today is not the day. Like today you push through and get this out. And I, I am so fucking excited for this book. Like, I can't wait to show you the synopsis. Like, well, the beat sheet, which is basically my synopsis. I, I'm so excited. And I've been wanting to go back to YA as well. So I'm going to draft this bad boy out as fast as I can, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it was one of those just like Liz Gilbert says, you know how she says the idea comes to you and you have to grab it when it comes to you. And I was like, I'm fucking grabbing on right now. So <laughs> it was really surreal. And it just, I think it made me emotional because like we all have imposter syndrome and this is a really long process. But when this happened to me, I was like, no bitch, this is what you're meant to be doing. Just keep mm -hmm. doing it. Like this idea excites me so much and like sometimes you finish your book and you're like I'm never going to write anything that good again but it's not like that the more you feed it the more it grows and creating that space for that has just the ideas that just keep coming and yeah it kind of blew me away honestly like I feel like humbled that I had that kind of experience where it just like damn yeah Damn, that is amazing. Like, I feel like squealing. Like Next year, I'm coming in hot. Watch out, Query Trenches. Like, I am going to come in there with Beyond Love. I'm going to come in with my YA, my middle grade, my picture books. She's about to be busy. <laughs> She's going to be busy. <laughs> Selling books. <I'm> hot. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I love it. I love the fire. I love it. I feel it from here. I'm excited for you. I have good feelings about all of your stuff. It's, it's happening. Magic is in the air. Magic is in the air. Well, should we introduce Linda? Yes. <laughs> you were so patient with me while I took you on this magical journey of mine. <laughs> I'm excited about it though. I'm happy. I I just know like each book of yours I feel is getting is getting more and more 
like magical more and more you I feel oh. and like so I just get more excited each book because it's like mm -hmm, she's get she's getting she's feeling it like whatever that magic is is like yeah you know I love you thank you <laughs> you're, just, you're just the bee's knees the tits and bits you're the bee's knees <laughs> Linda is just a gloriously wise and like you said there's like a power to the way she speaks like and I just feel like she has such a such a deep insight to like everything she said had like depth to it you know yeah. So yeah I can't wait for our listeners to hear this episode and yeah let's read her bio so Linda was always a fan of escaping into a good book so the fact she gets to make make it her career is still surreal she graduated from Cornell and has held various positions at Penguin Random House Dorchester Simon and Schuster and Writers House Literary Agency She's done everything from foreign rights to editorial, to marketing, to operations, which gave her a bird's eye view of how all the departments work together to bring books to life. Somewhere in between all that and little sleep, Linda received her MFA in creative writing from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. She counts herself lucky to work with amazing colleagues and clients who inspire her in both the children's and adult categories. I love it. Listeners, you are in for a treat. Yeah, here she is. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome, Linda. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on here. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. No, we've been excited to have you on. Oh. Um, I know Melanie's a big fan of yours. I believe she listened to you on, is it Manuscript Academy, right? Yeah. That's where I first oh. heard you speak. And I was like, this is a wise soul. And actually, I thought when we started the podcast like a year ago and I'd done Manuscript Academy then with you, I was like, I need to get her on the show. And oh. but I was way too shy to ask then. But this year I was like, we had Amparo on the other day and I remembered yeah. how awesome you were. I was like, let's just ask. Let's see what happens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so glad you did. Oh my gosh. And I don't know how you're doing it. Podcasts look so they're just so hard to do. I love listening to them, but it just seems like it's a whole to do. So I always admire people who go ahead and do it. Yeah. I feel very blessed. Melanie takes care of all of the technical um, <laughs> side. And so always, I'm always like bowing down because um, I would be, or I wouldn't be able to <laughs> do it on my own. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to pretend it was pretty at the start. <laughs> there was a whole sweaty anxious stress but we got there yeah. Angela was patient our guests were patient and here we are so welcome oh, to the show do you Thank want to you. tell our listeners a little bit about you like where did it all start for you agenting life oh gosh yeah I'm gonna keep it short because my story is like eh, all over the place but I started in 2005 I started working on the adult side actually at Penguin and doing very back-end stuff, I worked in reprints, which is basically a book that's been out for about a year. So it was very frenetic. Um, it was my first job out of college, so I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I was kind of going, oh, is this, this is good, but is this it? And then I left after a year, and I thought I was going to do law school, and I applied, and I spent a lot of money on one of those LSAT prep courses. I did not go to law school, I will say. Uh, but when I was doing my side jobs while I was, you know, thankfully my parents, um, 
you know, I lived with them, thank goodness, because, you know, I was very broke, even with publishing, some of the publishing money that I had was very little money. But when I would do side gigs, there were no books every, like when I was working at Penguin, there were books everywhere. And they had something called take shelves that you could just go and take books home. And that novelty never wore off. Even years later, when I wanted to work at Random House, there are all these books and you can just take them home. It's wonderful. So since I realized that wasn't everybody's workstation, that you would just have free books everywhere, I was like, I, I think I miss publishing. And it actually was kind of hard to get back into it because then the recession hit and it was just bad timing. So I actually had to work kind of backwards where I started with a job 2005 and then eventually I did internships in any place they would take me. And I kind of accidentally did every department. So <laughs> it was just an accident. And I still wanted to get that hands-on work with talent. And initially I wanted to be an editor, but uh, eventually I just was like, please somebody hire me. So eventually I moved into children's to try that out. Cause I was like, oh, I like children's books. I can, this could be fun. So then I actually wound up after working at even places like Simon and Schuster and Writer's House and a place called Dorchester Publishing and no longer exists. Um, and then Random House did an internship there. And then they eventually took pity and hired me at Random House. <laughs> and I worked in children's marketing for five years. And then I took advantage of the tuition reimbursement and I was able to get my MFA in children's writing from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. But I was still, and I, I enjoyed that. I learned a lot, but I still wanted to get close to what I wanted to be doing, which is working with writers in a more direct way. And so then I just bugged as many people as possible to give me a chance. And then I moved into to agenting. So eventually people were like, okay, okay, you can work with us. So that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> and then I've been, so publishing about, about 18 years now, uh, doing different things, but agenting about eight so far. So it's been kind of uh, quite a ride. That's amazing. Were you always like obsessed with books growing up? I mean, was it always the goal is yeah. to be around books? You know, I loved, loved, always definitely loved books, but I didn't know that it was a career. And I think there are a lot of people like that where even today, I mean, I grew up in the Bronx and I went to Catholic school and, you know, we had books and things, but no one ever talked about that as a career mm. ever. And we'd never, I'd never met an author like that. Now that I hear that kids get author business, like that's not, I never, what? That's a thing. So no, I, it was when I was in college that I wound up being friends with this girl who was in my, you know, my year, I was a freshman and her mom just coincidentally happened to be one of my favorite romance authors at the time, Andrea Kane. I'm like, wait, you're like, that's your mom. So that's kind of what she was like. Yeah. And then you should look at these places and what you like books. Um, so it was really people that kind of steered me in that direction. But for the longest time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I want to be something more practical, something that would just guarantee money, whatever that meant, you know, like law or I don't know. I, I when I was a kid, I was like, I could do business law because that's like double money. I don't know what that I didn't really know what that was, but nah, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I find it kind of interesting. I've like noticed like listening to interviews with agents and just some of our friends who are, are um, actually lawyers I find it this interesting correlation and I don't know if it's like just you're just smart and snappy and like on the go but it always feels like I've heard many agents saying oh, I was thinking about becoming a lawyer 
Or, and I've heard our friends who are lawyers be like, you know what, maybe I'm going to become an agent. And I just love like this little correlation and it feels right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause you do kind of, I can understand why. I mean, it's like, I have a lot of writers who take the, what they consider to be a safer, more secure route. And there are a lot of lawyers. Um, It's like, you take that skill and you go, oh yeah, but let's do something practical, whatever that means. So yeah. And then I, and there are plenty of attorneys who make some amazing lawyers, um, assuming they don't come from like, you know, corporate side where they're used to money. Cause in the beginning, that's definitely not what you make. No, <laughs> way easier to make money other ways. <laughs> it's really relatable, like kind of being not even thinking of it as like a career, something in writing, just kind of like, and I feel like these people who maybe shut that down early on, if it was like a little bud of something, they mean well, like they don't want you to sure. like, suffer financially but like I said last episode I think it's more crushing and like soul crushing if you don't chase those things that put you like in that way and it's Mm -hmm. a it's a slow painful death personally that's what I experienced in like all the other careers I tried so yeah very relatable can you tell us a little bit about what kind of genres you represent Sure. I feel like I, I like to say that I'm genre agnostic. I kind of like a little bit of everything. And it's not super helpful when someone asks me, you know, I mean, even when I'm talking to editors and they say a similar thing, I'm like, I know, like, what do we like? Something that's interesting and unique. But I do a little bit of everything in the sense of the stuff that I've sold or like picture books, middle grade YA across all the different genres, uh, though my sweet spot tends to be fiction. Um, I've done, I feel like I've done some picture book nonfiction, but that's as much as I've stretched into that. And then I do some adult fiction as well. So that tends to be, again, I'm pretty open there as I'm growing into that space, but I love a good romance, whether it's really super steamy or something that's very light, though I've been really in the steamy uh, phase these days, but I love a good rom-com and that's a bit sweeter. So that depends. I also love horror, you know, something really creepy, um, so that those are kind of two sides of that same coin. And yeah, I feel it's just something, man, um, a little bit of everything. And I think the only thing that I notice is that I just really want to be surprised. Mm, that makes, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I can only imagine how much manuscripts or, you know, queries and pages you see. What is something that makes a manuscript stand out to you? There's something you can pick. Yeah. Oh, no? yeah, that's tough. Um, I would say, and someone else said this, I don't know who, but they were really, I thought that was smart, that it's something in the writing that makes it sing to them, right? It's something very, very voice-driven, yes. Um, I would say voice is probably the primary thing uh, because I think everything else is more fixable, right? You can sort of fix the plot. You can fix, you know, the premise. You can fix a lot of things, but voice is can't really fix voice, right? And if something doesn't really hit you in that gut, it's not likely to later. Um, but it doesn't mean that the things that I pass on, oh, it was a crappy voice or it was a crappy story. Um, there have been people who've queried me with different projects. You know, one project maybe didn't hit, that might have been just not the right thing. Um, and then they'll query me with something else and I go, yes, that's it. And it just kind of matches their voice. It just works especially as writers are finding their voice and the story that they kind of want to write, that it works that way too. But I would say maybe voice, that would be kind of a, mm. a thing that's really key for me. 
Yeah. Magic thing, voice. Yeah. yeah. Right. It doesn't end the questions, but it suddenly pops into my head. Do you find that you're a mood reader as well? Like, could one day something like, I don't know, you got vampires or something and you were just like, no, I don't want vampires today. And then maybe a year <laughs> yeah. later, you're like, ah, oh, vampires take me now, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. That's why I always tell people it is, it's very subjective. Um, even when I put something out in submission, I always kind of joke that it's, yes, I know the market as best I can. And a lot of it's still guesswork but it feels like you have to light the right candles and turn the doorknob just the right amount of times and the moon is shining. Like it feels like everything has to align. And even when I'm reading submissions, which I'm woefully behind, I'm still playing catch up, but I try not to go in in a bad mood. <laughs> that's a start. So if I find that I'm going in, I'm just like, oh, I just want to just clear out my inbox. That's not the right frame of mind to go in. So I'll go, no, let me wait until I dive in in an excited state. But yeah, some days I'm just like, I want a Western, like a, I, I was watching recently um, that movie Lost City. I'm like, oh man, like I would love something like that. I just, something in book form. And I'm seeing more of that come uh, more into the market. So I'm very excited to see where that goes to. But yeah, it really is mood driven. That makes complete sense. And I love yeah. that, what you were saying of just not going into it in a bad mood because right. you know it, it makes sense because yeah. it would just be it's so much easier to say no when you're not feeling yeah. it in general those in are things, yeah those are the things that come the fastest anyway those are the 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 no's and more often than not like you know and again it's subjective right because even there's stuff that I go even if I thought it was quote-unquote bad they've gone on to sell and do really well. Like, and, and I love when that happens because it just shows me, look, you just never know. Mm-hmm. And I've turned down a lot of things that I really do like. That's another thing too. Sometimes I have something that might be a little similar on my list that feels too close or I'll just go, man, I don't know if I'm as excited as I'd like to be about it, but I can see this totally selling. So mm-hmm. yeah, it really all depends. Yeah, I guess it's the same on the reader side. Like, there's been so many times when there was so much hype around a book and I was like everybody I know loved this book I am just getting ready for like a cozy fabulous read and then I read it and I'm just like did I read the same book like and like people trashing books and I'm just like but I love it (laughs) yeah all the time absolutely yep Mm -hmm. So what does it take to get an offer of representation from you? Cause you know, I'm, you read so much and I'm sure there's things that are, like you said, come in similar to you in your inbox. So what does it take after you've read the manuscript where it's like, okay, this is it, this person I want to represent. Um, what is that like? And what is that process like also like when you do decide with the call, the, the special call? <laughs> You know, that's when the power, because, you know, people think of the agents or even the editors, they have all the power. What's kind of beautiful and terrible, uh, but beautiful about the industry, though, I love is that the power dynamic is always shifting, right? So it's like, okay, initially you kind of feel like you have to jump through hoops for the agent or the editor, but when you get their attention, that power dynamic has already shifted. So when I fall in love with a story, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really love this. And and I do get, it almost feels like I'm like a first date sort of thing, right? Because initially it starts with the story and then I sort of cyber stalk and I'm like, oh my gosh, who are they? I want to get to know them. Um, and then, you know, when you have the call, 
I personally, and every agent is different, but personally for me, I don't offer immediately, even if I'm like, I want to, because it really has to feel like the right fit, right? Um, I'm not for everyone. Everyone is not for me. Even if they have an amazing personality and an amazing book, it really has to feel like it just works. So we'll have a conversation about the things I loved about the story, the things that you know, I'll ask, oh, what inspired it? Um, maybe this is what I think that could use work. What do you think? So it really is that back and forth to see how do they work? And it doesn't mean they have to agree with everything, but if uh, everything that I'm saying, where it could be something like, I'm completely shifting what your story is, I might not be the right person, right? I didn't get your vision because my goal is to not impose my vision, but to bring my client's vision to life in the best way I can try possible. So if I feel like, okay, they're receptive, we could potentially work together. And beyond that, what are their goals, right? Are they, they can have pie in the sky. They could say, I want to be like number one bestseller and all that's great. But it's like, okay, what are your five year, you know, what's your goal for five years, 10 years? What do you want out of this kind of creative working relationship, even for yourself? And you get a gauge, you really do get a gauge. And then if I offer, and it usually, by then it usually does yield an offer. There are very few times that it has felt like it wasn't maybe the best fit, but then I'm always nervous and then, you know, then I'll go, okay, you know, then I'm doing the song and dance where I'll say, okay, this is about me. And, um, we talk about terms, you know, and I'll say, okay, always think about it because I really, as much as I want them to sign yesterday, um, it doesn't help anybody if I kind of like try to catch them in that place where they feel like they have to say yes on the spot. Even if they want to, I'll always say, okay, just, just sleep on it. And I always encourage them to talk to other people. Even if I, in my gut, I'm screaming at myself for saying the thing, which is go talk to people, but you really want it to feel like it's the perfect fit and that your whole, you know, you as the writer, you know, when you're saying yes to me, that it's like a full body. Yes. As opposed to hmm, maybe Linda's pretty good. I'm not sure. I want it to be a full body. Yes. So I think I always say, please, please talk to people, but it is a process where then I wait, you know, and if I at least give them the two weeks or whatever they need to talk to other people, and then I'm just waiting on pins and needles. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's stressful and exciting and you just always hope that it just mm. works. And then when they, if they pick someone else, you're like, no, <laughs> um, but you still hope that you're like, why? <laughs> but then when you hear who they chose, I'm like, yeah, they're really good too, I guess. <laughs> so, and you tend to be with the same, you know, the same agents that you all have the same taste. And you're like, okay, fine, fine. But then you do get excited. And you're like, look at that book. And then you go buy the book later and you cry and you laugh. And you're like, <laughs> I wish it were mine, but that's okay. We, in the beginning though, um, I cried a lot, especially mm -hmm. as a baby agent. I used to cry when I wouldn't get my way or get the person who said yes. So it's oh. sad, but I'm better now. So <laughs> it's just experience, experience. Well, it just shows your passion, you know, for books and for authors. And I think that is special. And, you know, I think we've all cried. <laughs> we yeah. Heard yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I'm writers, illustrators, the creatives cry. Agents definitely cry. At least when they're starting out, editors cry too. There were some working in publishing when they would make that pitch at acquisitions meeting there'd be certain people who would cry all the time they'd be like this is the book we have to buy it I love it so much and like the tears would be streaming you're like oh my gosh 
Um, no, it's a very, it's one of those industries where people are really, 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 really passionate. And it's definitely a roller coaster ride. That makes me so happy for some reason. <laughs> Because that's the thing, though, what you said, it's like an engagement. And I think that's the thing. Like, it's not just some notch on the belt, like you're going to be working so closely together with your agent. So you want to have that kind of connection, yeah. with the work with the person. And I think it's really relatable, like you said, to dating, like, <laughs> there's a lot of things in the out in the ether that may or may not connect and a little bit of magic dust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there something you wish authors knew before querying you mm, that there's so many things but I would say that <laughs> I give a talk about rejection um and how hard I think it's persistence but then there I read some studies in my own unscientific way about rejection and that you know you can't reason your way out of it um it's completely irrational but it's physical like there are all these neurological things that are tied to it. But I always try and say, please, please, please try. And you're you're gonna take it personally, but try not to. Mm. And I think it's only as time passes that it's it's gonna hurt a little less. It will always hurt, but those early stages of rejections are always gonna sting the most. Um, and it feels really personal because this is your work. This is really hard to share that part of yourself. So I can understand, man, um, even when I was in my MFA program and at that time I was working in Random House. So I was used to like critiquing people's work and all that. But I remember when I had, you have to sit in workshop and for like an hour and you can't say anything when they're critiquing your work. You're not, you're supposed to hold this like funny pencil, which is to signal that you have to stay quiet while you're holding that pencil. And it was just so weird. And everybody was really kind, you know, but it is so weird to hear people um, talking about your work and it feels very personal. Mm. Um, so I would say, try not to take it personally. And I'm going to squeeze another one in is really sit with comments, right? For, definitely. And some comments, even when they're quote unquote, good comments, um, you might be like, no, I don't no, no, none of that. But just think about it. Sometimes they do make sense. But having said that, and that's why it's always such a hard balance, don't listen to everyone, right? Because it's like even you go talk to 10 different agents and we'll all have our own opinions about a thing. And if you're eager to please, because you're like, oh my God, I love all these agents and I want to change it this way and that way and this way, it, it's easy to lose your voice and your story. So think about what makes sense. Think about patterns. If everyone's saying the same thing, maybe think about that. But if we're all saying different things, then you just have to go with your instinct on the story mm. and just, you know, what works for you. That's yeah, yeah. such important advice. And it's like definitely that early feedback, It you feel it so much. And I remember working with an editor and and sending my full to them and getting it back. And I think they were just starting out as well. And the edits they sent made my whole body like just feel completely in disorder. And I realized luckily I was just far enough along because if I got that early on, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. But I realized yeah. that we could not be any less compatible because again, it's that person to person thing. Sent it to someone else. 
also had pages and pages of feedback, but it made sense. It made sense to the story. It was trying to like polish it up and make it shine. Whereas the other one was like trying to fit me into their version of what they thought it should, like a different book, a different book entirely. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. yeah, you have to know sometimes when it's, yes, good advice that fits for it or run. <laughs> right. And there's so many, and I'm sure you've heard so many stories where, you, and you don't have to be a bestseller, right? But even they have their stories where people were always saying, oh my gosh, this is never going to sell. Or, I mean, and look what happens. I mean, sometimes all the best things can happen because that person followed their own instinct and was like, no, I, this is what I feel to be true to my story and I'm going to stick to it. Mm, I love it. I, and I love those stories of like, continue, like, just keep going. No, I believe in it. And then it finally happens. It's just the best. Yeah. Oh, let's, this is always my favorite question. Cause I'm just nosy. What's <laughs> a day in the life of an agent like for you? Cause I know it's different for everybody. So a lot of, uh, email checking, definitely. And say, so I get up immediately have the bad habit of just checking my emails immediately. I need to get better about that, but um, trying to answer the most urgent things first, definitely. Um, and you have a list of things to get through, right? So you're lucky if you do make it through maybe halfway, like if you even get that, because inevitably something will always pop up, whether it's, I mean, it's always client related. So I know for me, um, if I get to the end of the day, if I'm lucky, I have time to read queries that have come in. I mean, I'm, you know, and those are kind of like the last because, you know, your clients come first, but it can be anything from, in terms of emails uh, where you are getting rejected, uh, your clients are getting rejected or getting passes on things for multiple submissions that you have out and you're like sad um, or emboldened to keep going, of course, but always a little bit sad. Um, you might get an offer, which is really exciting. And then you get to make that phone call. And, and that's just such an exciting part of the process. You're sometimes mid-contract negotiating. So sort of arguing with the contracts people about the silly thing that why are they doing this? But you know, all that fun back and forth. Sometimes you see um, a cover image for a book that's in the works. And I love that because that's when it starts to feel real. Mm. Sometimes you get some exciting news about, a, you know, a client's book that's coming out. Um, could be something in terms of marketing or publicity or just, um, man, I feel like there's always something that's happening. And I'm always checking in um, with my colleagues because we have a Slack channel and we're always celebrating something or other where we're like, oh, a start review or, oh, you know, we have a meeting with this person. Always tons of meetings. That's another thing. Pre-pandemic, it was more in person. I mean, now we're kind of back to doing more in person, but I've kind of stuck with more Zoom meetings, but a lot of, you know, meetings with uh, agents, other fellow agents and just talking shop, uh, talking to a lot of editors and just getting a sense of their tastes. And even if you've met with them many times before, their taste shift, they might go, okay, last night I was all about, you know, months ago I wanted werewolves and now I'm just over it. I just want vampires or, oh, I only want contemporaries. So that's always shifting around. Um, and then even with film people and that's a whole other world, which is like, whoa, and kind of nutty, <laughs> um, but, you know, do, having those conversations. So I feel like you're, you're just always go, 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 um, until the holidays come and then it starts to calm and you can actually make your way through the, you know, that to-do list. Yeah. 
What would you say the hardest part is for you about being an agent? I think in the beginning it was more staying in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think because the pay structures are different for agents, but a majority of us get commission only. So that was hard, you know, trying to, you had to, when I was running a random house, of course I couldn't continue to work there an agent. So I had to leave my salary and benefits. Um, and then I worked at a restaurant for a long time and just like I was in the basement and just doing side jobs so that I could support myself with agenting and things have gotten better over time. Um, even though every year you're kind of like, man, I hope I can do that again. And you always, cause you know, you start at square one at the beginning of the year. You're like, well, I hope I can make more sales. So that's, maybe that's the hardest part, but no, no, I would say it's like tied with taking on someone for a project and it doesn't sell. That's another one. That's really hard where you keep trying and you keep trying. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And you're like, people are nuts. I love this book so much. And you'll almost give it away um, just so that it's out in the world. But that might be harder in that sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. So is because you love the book as well. I mean, you're there to yeah. champion this book. And so I could see where it would be, you know, and and having to sort of break the news to your author. And and so yeah. after if that happens, what's the process? Do you guys talk about writing a new book? Um, you know, and mm -hmm. like figuring that out? Or are you kind of hands-on with that process? Yeah, I try to be hands-on. You know, it really depends on the client because sometimes they're more, they want to keep to themselves and like brainstorm. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But um, more often than not, they do like that brainstorming. And, and I'll always tell a client, okay, well, if they come with a few ideas, I'll say, okay, this is technically more marketable. But in the end, I'll say, like, okay, more marketable, but what's the one that you're most excited about? And then I'll, you know, I'll be up front and be like, okay, this is going to be hard, but let's do it. And sometimes wonderful things happen anyway, yeah. but it usually, that conversation usually comes around the time we've already started submitting mm -hmm. like project A. And then that's when I tell, okay, we're out, like pretend it's dead in the water. I was saying like, I'm going to continue and push, but we can't control anything beyond me even nudging, right? I it's done. It's like taking the test and you hope that you passed and you did all you could, but it's out. So I'll say, okay, let's work on, even if you're just going to knit a sweater, you need to work on something else. Ideally another project, because if worst case scenario, this doesn't sell, and that's always a possibility, you're ready to go with something else when the time comes. And sometimes depending, you know, clients might write across multiple categories. So if they're like very prolific, they might go, oh, I have this middle grade that, you know, I really would want to work out and go, okay, let's try it. And sometimes we'll cross submit that way. So just keep busy, busy, busy. Keep busy. That's exactly yeah. for your own mental health of not like being yeah. stuck in your emails, right? Like just keep busy. Right. right. What would you say is your favorite, like best part about being an agent? Probably when I get to make that call that it's going to be a book and I'll say, it's going to be a book. It's like a thing. Um, yeah, that's when you get to make that call, it's really exciting. Um, and then when you, the second part of that would be also then when you actually get to see that book in a store mm. and it really feels like a piece of it is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is like the way you work. Yeah. I think 
books have yeah. pictures of everyone that you yeah. encounter and even like I find like little phrases of my friends or little mannerisms or stuff it all slips in the people you work with along the way I love that so true yeah, yeah. so like listening to your busy day and you know there's so much you have to manage how do you deal with or avoid burnout you know I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> uh I need to get a hobby because I tell this to my clients too, that you need to do something that's not tied to publishing, right? Because yeah. I, like, I know agent centers who might join a book club. I'm like, no, 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 it cannot be a book thing. Like go read books, do that. But I don't know, I might need to take, my sister had bought me guitar lessons. So maybe I should, you know, do that. Like I want to, yeah. um, I'm still looking for that hobby that I say I'm going to get every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the thing I need to do, but mm-hmm. I've gotten better about working less on the weekends because it is kind of hard to draw that line. I mean, if something big has come up, I'll cheat and sort of do that. But for the most part, I work hard enough during the week that I'm like, okay, weekends, I kind of just try to sign off as best as possible and watch a lot of TV and just stay home and play with my cats. Like, I think that's pretty good. Like that's some downtime and eat ice cream and all the things. Yeah. That's I mean, legit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like sometimes we go looking for this. Like I was learning Japanese over the years and I love it. And I even enrolled in Melbourne Uni in one subject to do it. And I started yes. to, and now I don't learn Japanese because it, like yeah. having it as this yeah. huge, big thing that I tried to do, like kind of crushed the joy and it became another kind of job. And I'm realizing now yeah. that maybe my hobby is cooking. Like I just, it's yeah. an everyday thing, but it brings me so much joy and I can just play with it and kind of like, yeah, like if something else comes up, I'm open to like going back to Japanese one day when yeah. it doesn't do my head in. But yeah, for now, what my brain can handle is cooking. <laughs> and- yeah, I love that. I did study and I've fallen off it as well. I do love languages. I was studying yeah. French Ooh. in 2020, like online lessons And I, oh man, my accent's definitely not there, but it was fun, you know, to kind of exercise that part of the brain and I need to pick it up again. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing it in like a small tutorial with like people you'd meet and you'd just chat, it was so much fun and it definitely was an outlet, but yeah, probably a bad idea to try to do it at uni. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, with you homework and you're like uh, yeah. yeah anytime there's homework grades <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely no, no. kills the no, fun right away <laughs> yeah <laughs> cooking is nice though cooking is good I, I mean I like eating more than cooking frankly but I started to get the like home chef those meal delivery things where because for a long time I was just ordering food because <laughs> I'm just lazy and but I'm not rich so one of those had to give so now I'm getting that and I've discovered, I'm like, oh, okay, I do enjoy the process. I'll never be like a foodie that loves to do it, but um, it is a nice outlet. And I just listen to podcasts while I cook. Yes. That's it right there. Well, now you'll have to listen to ours. And- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was checking out the Ambato one too. And I, I like oh. that you guys put the different snapshots from different interviews. And I always love listening to other agents too, because yeah. I learn from them as well. Yeah. Oh, I- our agent episodes have been some of our favorite. It's just so interesting to kind of peel back the curtain and like yeah. remember that you guys are human 
and you know that it's 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 a human industry that we are in and um, Amparo's episode is always going to be one of my favorites she's just she's just the best so yeah you can't go wrong yeah yeah fantastic yeah and she Uh, was with me from the first year of agenting yeah 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 she and it's a risk you know it's always a risk you know I had experience in other things but that was my first year of agenting and I'm like bless these people for saying yes (laughs) so and she was one of them yeah wow I didn't realize she's like one of your ride or die original that's really cool that's epic and you sold dragon books which I think is just yes (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I love those books yeah (laughs) that's amazing I know. Um, yeah, go ahead, Melanie. I know. I just see our time is ticking away. So, yeah, are you open for queries, or if not, are you going to be open in the future? Yeah, my homework is to answer everyone by the end of this year. That's my thing, because um, I always feel bad saying no, and I go, maybe this could work, but I have to just be like, make a decision and stop torturing poor people. So. I'm going to try and reopen 2023. That is, that's my thing. Um, though I've been in a horror state of mind. So I, romance and horror. So I wouldn't be opposed if they mentioned your podcast that I would be open to that. But officially I'll, I'm going to be accountable and open in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Well, now everybody, listeners, <laughs> listen up because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Amparo has already given us like the approval. You're the best agent in the oh, world. Yeah. So anybody <laughs> would be lucky to have you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. As long as they mention the podcast and I'll be like, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's right, listeners. You did hear correctly. For a very limited time, the Linda Camacho will be open to queries exclusively for listeners of our podcast. This offer is only valid until the end of this year, 2022. Good luck. (laughs) We appreciate it. Yeah, we do. And it's been so wonderful to meet you in person after all your epic feedback on Manuscript Academy. And I can't say enough how epic that resource is. Oh my gosh. And especially this particular human, very exceptional. So... Thank you for joining us today. And it's been such a delight to chat with you. Oh, this was so fun. Thank you both. Yes. Yeah, no, seriously. Thank you for just taking the time. And I just know our listeners are going to love this episode and just kind of hearing your heart and um, your background. So it's just, it's really, really great. So thank you. Thank you. Well, until next time, I'm definitely going to be listening to your other episodes. Awesome. Good. No pressure, no pressure yeah. from uh, the future on. <laughs> Our intros are fairly goofy, so I... <laughs> that's fun. That's the fun. You can always tell when people are having a good time. Yeah. That's it. That's what we're all about because, you know, publishing stressful a lot of the times. And so just do, yeah. just to bullshit and laugh yes. and, you know, make yeah. friends is just the best. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.